How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, Leave us a review. I really enjoy the feedback. Hopefully you feel that it's worth a four or five, but uh, whatever you think it's worth, let us know some feedback, what you think is going on, who you want to see on here, all of that good stuff. It's uh, it's so important. That's how this thing keeps going. Um, it gets me excited to keep doing them when I get a, get, get a bunch of messages, comments, feedback all the time. It can be a little overwhelming from time to time, but uh, it makes me want to come out here and do these things a lot more. Um, when I feel like people are actually listening because, you know, who am I? I'm just this, uh, this random dude that nobody's ever heard of that, uh, spins a couple paperweights and puts them on his desk. But, uh, I really appreciate all the, all the stuff you guys do for us. I, I really, I really do. Um, check it out on social media. You can follow us at, uh, BTBN on Facebook and Instagram, um, yeah, go ahead and like that stuff. That's where we post all the new episodes. You can uh, check out the pin post on BTBN on Facebook right now. It's that really cool uh, BTBN colored duck call that I spun up a couple weeks ago. Um, I said on the last one I want to give it away the second week of July, and I plan on doing that. So jump on there. Read the uh, the rules of how to do it. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Tag some buddies in the uh, the comments section, and that will also get you a couple extra entries into the giveaway, so that way uh, you could up your odds to win this duck call. I've said it on a few of them. The guy that won the last one did every single thing he could. He put his name in the hat 28 different times, and lo and behold, he won the duck call. Where some of you guys only did one or two things, which I very much appreciate that too, but if you're going to take the time, you know... Do it as many it put as many names in the hat as he can, if that makes any sense. I'm to the point of rambling, so I'm just gonna go ahead and get you guys ready for the next guest. Um, he's a, uh, a one of the best freaking duck callers in the world, man. He uh, he's won a bunch of meat titles. He does Main Street competitions. Just a really really interesting guy. Um, his family his family is a bunch of freaking great competition callers too. So I'm super excited to have him on here and uh, pick his brand about competition calling a little bit. So without further ado, the great Corey Neekum. All right, Corey, how you doing today, brother? Man, pretty good. Just fighting the humidity. <laughs> fighting the humidity, dude. That is the uh, the story of the Midwest. People exactly. have no freaking idea how humid. You're are you in Missouri or you're a Kansas guy? I'm in Gardner, Kansas. That's right. That's right on the line, yeah. though. I mean... Yeah, right on the line. Still hot. Yeah, people have no idea how freaking hot it is up here and how yeah. humid it is. Walk outside, get your mail, and you start sweating. <laughs> Dude, I'm doing nothing. I am doing the bare, like, bare minimum of physical activity of recording podcasts, sitting in a chair <laughs> with an ice-cold beer in my hand right now, and my shirt is soaked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you don't have any fucking breeze, you are screwed. Like, <laughs> you cannot breathe whatsoever. So what have you, you been up to, man, since uh, man, no competition no, calling? No, yeah, uh, definitely no contest. Um, you know, Rogers officially announced that they canceled theirs. Um, obviously, Easton, uh, 
canceled theirs. You know, some people, including myself, kind of was just in awe because it was so far out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely crazy. I mean, with, you know, with that one going on and uh, with Presley's, you know, hopefully Kelly Presley's over there at their store in Illinois, um, you know, that's a big one. Um, hopefully they have theirs. But, yeah, other than that, it looks like it's online contests like Kyle Jones has been doing. And he's been doing a pretty damn good job of doing, you know, the spec, the views, and now he's doing a live duck one. And I think there's like 80 guys in it with, you know, a handful of them from Russia and stuff like that. And so it's definitely opening the eyes to a lot of people that, you know, want to get into contest calling that don't have to spend the money as far as travel expenses, and they can just literally do it in their gym shorts in their freaking basement or their garage and post a routine and get all the info back from anyone that you can possibly, you know, want to receive from. Well, that's the one thing that I was... I was talking to Teddy about that and uh, how guys, you know, it takes a certain set of balls to stand up on stage and blow a call. Yeah. And um, for you to jump on your phone and uh, record a little video and post it on Facebook. I feel like this, the pressure for somebody who oh, hasn't competed yeah. before has got to be so much better. Yeah, I mean, imagine, like I started in 99, I think I started. Uh, I met a guy named Mike Keller at a Galleon's sporting goods store and at the Kansas City Regionals at the time. And we had a duck hall, and my brother and I would go to his house and practice in the kitchen every Tuesday and Thursday. And um, my first contest was Burlington, Iowa. And I absolutely got my ass kicked. And got cut first round. Saw everyone that you possibly could think of on a duck hall back then. Um, but the nerves, the nerves I had then are the same nerves I have now when I go on stage and I told myself if I ever lose that feeling, I would quit duck hauling. And for the guys that want to get into it now, doing this is like baby steps to work their way up to a stage because like we said, I mean, there's no pressure of them doing it in their garage or their basement or their backyard or a pond or whatever. You know, there's no Stress. You literally just go blow your duck call, hit record, and send it in, and you know see how happy you know see how it scores. And so hopefully, more and more of these online contests with this virus going on, you know they continue to do these like what Kyle Jones is doing. Maybe next year, hopefully, if this virus doesn't continue and contests happen, maybe you know their eyes will open up and want to travel and want to spend, you know, their expenses and go to these contests and get on stage. And that'll, or in return, get it back to where it was at one time, number-wise. I agree, man. And one of the things that I've seen that I, I think is really cool is uh, guys are branching out into, you know, oh. out of their genres. And, you know, people are trying out tube calling and spec calling guys that have never competed in that, or at least, you know, not that I know of, and yeah, uh, just taking a risk. Yeah, the spec calling is, you know, in my opinion, has gotten bigger, um, obviously more popular, um, especially in the Mississippi Flyway, you know, 
obviously where I guide at in Arkansas in the northeast part, you know, specs, but like Kentucky, Tennessee, Southern Illinois, I mean, even Missouri, and obviously, you know, Central Kansas, I mean, the spec hunting is getting bigger, but the contest aspect of things, there would be like two, maybe three spec contests a year, and there were so many talented spec callers, obviously down in Louisiana area, and a couple, you know, in California, but then, you know, like Rogers had theirs, and then Presley's had theirs, and obviously the turnout wasn't as big as they hoped, because, I mean, gosh dang, it's a long drive for majority of the Louisiana Cunglers to go from there all the way up to Presley's. I mean, it's a haul. But, uh, you know, like the World Spec, I mean, hell, I think the last year I was down there for the World Spec contest, I want to say there was like 22 or 26 guys, I and mean, there was more spec callers than there was in the World Goose this year. And people were getting well-rounded on both, like Duck and Goose, like it's Seth Fields. I mean, that kid... I mean, it's a freak on the goose and the speck and the duck. I mean, how he picks up stuff like that so quickly is quite amazing in my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, more people are branching out and, you know, getting the numbers up in each contest. And, you know, hopefully with these online contests and hopefully, you know, people will start participating on stage next year and make the numbers bigger like it used to be. Because right now it's definitely not. Yeah, it's it's rough, man. It's uh, it is. I don't know if it has to do with the travel aspect of it because you know if you don't go out there and win a competition, you're already a you know a couple hundred dollars oh, yeah. in the hole if you live close. Yeah, I mean it's. You think I mean, you know like Stani was talking to you about it, but like the traveling, like I look forward in the past doing that more than anything I mean yeah I wanted to go to these meat contests and win every single one of them and uh but to travel you know you gotta think if you go to a contest that's six seven eight hours away you're gonna try to take off work half day if not all day I'm fortunate enough to where I just guide for a living so I don't have a nine to five job during the summertime and uh but yeah you take a day off of work on Friday and you got hotels for two nights if the, you know if you're not judging and they're nice enough to pay the hotels for the you know the judges to go to these things but uh yeah entry fees I mean 40, 50, 60 bucks a pop depending on how many contests there is and then you know bars at night and food and then obviously gas I mean yeah if you go to a contest and win a $1,500 contest you might be able to take home 500 bucks from that depending on how crazy your nights get I mean it's expensive it truly is and I've been fortunate enough to where I've you know got lucky a lot of times and won a handful of them but definitely the traveling and seeing everyone is my opinion the funnest part of it obviously you know the competition is what you go for but I like seeing everyone because you just don't see them all the time you know we're so far apart from each other. Now, especially with this virus, I don't know if you know any of us will see each other all year. You know, especially if Stuttgart doesn't happen. But well, and yeah, that's I a mean, that's another goofy one, man. Because yeah. how the heck are they going to do Stuttgart if there's no competitions to get your ticket punched? I so I've been told um, I got out of contest or Main Street calling, you know, several years back. Um, 
I was never good enough to make the top ten. I mean, my brother won it in 07. Um, a lot of my buddies have won it, and it's been awesome watching them. Like, Stein won it last year when I was there. But apparently, um, they're talking about the people that have qualified last year will get automatically invited back um, to participate in it. But, like, I think in two weeks, um, down in Mississippi, there's, like, four qualifiers. Um, I think they got, like, the Gulf Coast Regional, the Mississippi Delta, another one in the Mississippi State, I believe. But you take Rogers out of the equation, I mean, there's five. You take Presley's out, if they don't have theirs, I mean, there's three, there's eight right there just in two contests. And... Yeah, I mean, if you just come in the guys that are qualified right now, you'd have, like, six guys in Stuttgart, plus tiny. So you'd have seven, and that'd be it. And so I don't know how they can have theirs if everything else is canceling, you know, so far out in advance, but it's Stuttgart, man. I mean, they love that contest, and it's their, I mean, tradition. And it's a good time, but we'll see how it goes. I mean... If they have it, they have it, but I don't know how they can. I mean, I'm not holding my breath on it. It's almost like you have to do it in an Easton format and run it as an open, but then, or maybe like a, a day before have an open, and then like yeah. if you have 200 people enter it, cut it off at 70 or whatever, you know, Worlds usually is. Yeah. Yeah, I think they talked about that like just like maybe doing like first and second round on Friday night and then doing the final round on Saturday. I mean, like, Easton, like, I was lucky enough to win the World Life Duck this year, and or this past year, in 2019, and I always love the fact of blowing Saturday night. Like, it's just, you know, you sit in the hallway in their bullpen area in the high school, and, you know, they take the top five or six, depending on the ties, and you get done, and you just, you know, the, the stress relief is off your shoulders that you're blowing on Saturday night and, you know, you're in the top five. And it's just cool to have, and there's so much more people in that auditorium on Saturday night, um, on the Saturday night of the contest, than there is on Fridays, because it's just like the quote-unquote, like, prelims. But everyone piles in there and watches, you know, the team goose, the team duck, the live goose, world goose, the live duck, and then the juniors, is, you know, that Saturday as well. But, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting, you know, for Stuttgart to say they're going to have their contest when majority of the biggest contests of the year have already canceled. You know, I just hope Presley's. If Presley's canceled, then there's really nothing else as far as contests. I know Kelly Powers um, over at Final Flight in Tennessee, he's having his still, which I think his is in September. I'm hoping like hell will be in Canada by then if they open the crossing up. Um, but yeah, I surely hope that Presley continues to have theirs. And I mean, it's a good time. It's a fun ass contest. Well, over there. And you mentioned another thing, man, that I think is going to be so controversial this year is the border crossing in Canada. You have to yeah. think how many guys. And are you guiding up in Canada? Yeah, we, uh, I work for an outfitter called Northern Prairie. Um, we're out of Alberta. But, yeah, um, we're actually getting together. This guy, I'm leaving for Colorado tomorrow. 
but uh, we're actually getting together. All of us are meeting in Colorado just for a uh, loss of the group at a funeral service. But uh, yeah, I mean, if they push it back another month, I mean, it's like Travis, you know, the owner was telling us, he's like, man, right now, all we can do is just hope. I mean, there's a lot of buddies of mine that go up there and guide, you know, in Saskatchewan and Alberta that right now, man, we're just sitting on go. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen whatsoever. And it sucks. I mean, it surely sucks right now. And I hope come July 21st that we get an email or a phone call and they say we're good to go. But if not, man, I mean, it's just, it's one thing after another with all this damn virus and everything else going on. I mean, I hope we can make it, man. I hope they let us in. I truly do. If not, it'd be interesting to see what the bird numbers will be down here if they don't let us cross to go up and hunt, you know, and just see what it would actually do to them. You know, if they none of the outfitters and, you know, even if they shut down the whole damn thing and, you know, no freelancers, because there's not very many people up there that fun hunt that are locals. I mean, we take farmers and their kids out and they sit on these big ammo shell metal boxes with 10 gauges and the A-frames with us and they'll go once a year with us. But I hardly ever drive around scouting and see Alberta trucks and trailers hunting fields and so it'll definitely be interesting to see the birds how they react when they get down to the states if they don't get pressured up there for you know two straight months yeah that's definitely going to be really interesting because i think i've heard the numbers are like 70 percent of people hunting in canada are americans oh guaranteed i mean we don't get i mean there's about a week to 10 day window where we get a lot of out-of-staters in one little area. Um, like last year, I mean, dude, I saw like Idaho, Texas, Montana, Washington, Michigan, Minnesota, and even Illinois. Now Saskatchewan, obviously, a thousand more people go over there than Alberta. But yeah, I mean, the amount of people that I see, you know, just coming from Alberta down to Saskatchewan, one even when I leave, and I don't leave until you know the end of October. But it's all out of staters and trucks and trailers. But yeah, I was talking to my buddy the other day about it, and you know, if by chance none of us are, you know, they don't let us cross, it'll be pretty cool to see what the birds will do when they get down here. Because I mean, a lot of stuff dies up there. In Saskatchewan and Alberta for those two months with everyone that goes up there. I mean, I'd hate to see the number of birds that get killed from September 1st till the end of October, first week of November, by out-of-staters. Or, I mean, not out-of-staters, but, you know, Americans. <laughs> out-of-countryers. <laughs> <laughs> out-of-countryers, you know, whatever the hell. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you well, know, for everything. And, you know, it was going to be jacked up already before even the corona nonsense happened with how hard they're pushing gun legislation up there. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if in five years it's going to be like Mexico where you guys have to have guns up there for clients and they come yeah, and rent them from you. Exactly. Um, like, we get, 
you know, just like every other outfitter up there that, you know, offers lodging. I mean, with pallets of shells. And, yeah, when they were talking about the uh, 10 and 12 years rule, I mean, I was just like, what the hell? And the funny thing is, is literally, like, no exaggeration, every person that I have taken that lives up in those areas, farmers or friends of the family that have the ground or the farmer's kids, it's 10 gauges. And that's it. Like, that's all they shoot is 10 gauges. And I'm just like, I mean, you know, the 12 and... The 10 gauge law and knock it down to 20 gauges, but who knows, man. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, you know, three, five, six, seven years, however long, you know, then we'll have like a whole entire gun safe with guns that we'll have to, you know, provide to them with a license, you know, something like that. It's definitely, uh, man, it's, Canada's such a freaking magical experience, man, and I've never got to go up there and hunt. But, uh, you know, we had a, a TV show down here in Springfield for a while. And I don't know if you know David Taylor down here, but he's one of uh, one of my best friends down here. And he was on the show with me. And they did a couple of weeks up there and brought back all the footage. And it is just unreal, man. Yeah. Yeah, my dad, uh, my dad took me and my brother, um, one of my best friends, Thomas Wells, and... I think there was like four others, three others. I think there was like seven of us. And we went up to Saskatchewan, and we were up there for like seven days. And it was like the coolest experience ever. You know, I think I was, I know I was 18, because, you know, you could drink up there at 18. We didn't know it at the time until we got up there, and the hotel that we stayed at was like a, a bar, a liquor store, a casino, a restaurant, all this shit in one building. And we'd hunt, and Thomas and I would, we, we would go to the bar and sit in there and drink Canadian beer and get drunk and wake up the next morning, go shoot like 120 or 140 snows one morning. And, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, the amount of stuff, and not even just do like, the ducks and geese, like, even when you scout, like, I love scouting, you know, in the afternoons or even in the mornings because you'll drive around and see, you know, four, five, six different, you know, bull moose in an area, and you'll see some elk, and, you know, you'll see, like, a herd of antelope and big-ass mule deer and whitetails and, you know, on top of the specks and the little geese and all the ducks, I mean, it's something, man. Like, it's, if people haven't gone, they definitely, before they die, if you're a duck and goose hunter, you have to get to Canada, whether you do it on your own or spend the money and go with an outfitter, but, like, you people need to experience it. I mean, it's, I got buddies that live over uh, in Illinois, like Dan Getz and his brother and dad and you know, they go up, I think it's like four or five of them, they go up for like, I think five or seven days, and um, they freelance, and I mean, they piss pound them, and, you know, stay in the hotel, and bring little grills, and cook out and stuff, I mean, it's a ride, like, it is truly a freaking ride up there, I love it. <laughs> Dude, 
So one of the things that uh, David told me about when he would go up there is their liberal liberal use of the F word, like in well, everyday conversation. He said he walked in the post every office. Every other word. Yes. Like I, am, like I am one of the worst when it comes to profanity. And I think I've only said like maybe one or two in this. But you have conversations with farmers up there and they'll tell you like right out of the way majority of them how much they hate Trump like they'll express their feelings to you about what they think of him but you literally have to sit there and take it because of the fact these farmers up there I mean they'll they'll farm like five miles one direction and seven miles one direction like north and south east and west and It'll have four or five sloughs and pea fields, and uh, you just, you know, have to accept it. But, yeah, their profanity is very aggressive. Like, <laughs> very aggressive. He said he walked and in the post office. He said he walked in the post office, and the, the guy at the post office is like, what's the fuck? What the fuck is up, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this, like, the different words, like, semi is a semi-truck, um... Instead of, you know, like, be like, hey, I'll call you later, you know, or whatever. Like, they say, hey, I'll phone you. And that means I'll call you back. And, like, there's just a bunch of weird different shit. But they got different flavored potato chips at Walmart that we don't have down here. That's just mind-blowing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, everything. You know, the speed limits, the gas you know, per liter, and so it's, you know, fucking mind-blowing to try to figure out what you're paying, you know, per gallon. <laughs> Tobacco prices, I mean, you don't buy cans, you don't buy dip up there. I, I mean, was going to say, how much do don't. you smuggle? So, this year when, you know, I go to these smaller ones, um, one of the guys and I went to, I can't remember which one we went to two years ago, but last year, um, went to, uh, medicine hat and it's like an eight hour one and I crossed on myself and Tyler wasn't with me but uh I had what did I have I think I had like 35 or 40 cans of dip and then I had in, uh, I had two handles of Tito's and a 30 pack of Bush Light and I tell them you know right up front be like hey this is what I have and the Americans look at your stuff first and then you know you pull up to the border and then they get out but yeah, I mean, that time, I mean, this time, I mean, last year they didn't say nothing, but five cans of Copenhagen Long Cuts is $168 up oh there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The first time I went into a liquor store, um, me and Johnny Miller went into a liquor store, and he said, hey, Bob, he's like, don't buy Coors Light. I went in and I looked at the 24 pack of course light and it said $79.99. And I was like, what the fuck? But yeah, it's Canadian money, but it's still highway freaking robbery. I mean, like a handle of crown, I think, in where we're at in that area is like 135 bucks or some shit. Jeez. But I guess that's how they pay their health care. With the tobacco and alcohol, <laughs> you're like, I think I'm gonna quit dipping and uh, become yeah, sober for the I next mean, two months. Yeah, you definitely don't go to the store and just buy a can of dip. I mean, it ain't like 
<laughs> That's crazy. Well, I, you... I hope like it all comes to We'll get good news, and every one of us, including all my buddies that guide up there, will be able to go up again. I hope. I I, I hope so, man. And um, like I said, like you know, we were talking about. I just don't know how long Americans going over to Canada is going to be a thing. But uh, yeah. people have to do it before it's not, you know. Oh yeah, I don't think it's helping the situation with all these other cases shooting up in different states. Um, you know, the numbers are just skyrocketing. And like today, the governor um, here announced that starting Friday uh, in Kansas, you have to wear a mask in any public location you walk uh. into. I, dude, I had to go to Verizon on Friday, and I had to wear a mask going in there. And yep. let me tell you, that was the most irritating. It wasn't a cloth mask; it was like a like a itchy surgical mask. Oh, yeah. And I think I touched my face a hundred times in the twenty minutes we were in there. And I was like, I'm yeah. just gonna go wait in the car because. Oh, dude, I'm, I mean. I'm going to be open right now. I was in rehab from April 7th till May 26th of this year. And the first 14 days I was in, I had to wear a mask from the time I left my room till the time I got done with the day, even in like the counseling meetings or group meetings in the kitchen. And they take our temperature three times a day when you get your medicine. When I'm just like, what the hell is the point of wearing this mask when I'm in the doctor's office every day getting checked for this damn disease or this, you know, virus? But yeah, that was the worst 14 days. I was wearing this damn mask every single day. And knowing that you have to wear it now come Friday and every store or restaurant or anything is just mind-blowing. Have, like, have you ever had one of those nose tests? No. Holy hell. So, uh, it was like back in 2018. It was New Year's Day of 2019. So, the, the first of 2019. Yep. I uh, I went, I had like strep throat the week before that. Like all week. I th- I'm pretty sure I had it. I never went to the doctor, but my throat was just jacked. Well, that started going away. And I was at work one day. And I was like, well, I, you know, I finally starting to feel better, but my jaw is killing me. I don't know what the hell it is, but my jaw is killing me. And uh, I got home from work at like 5.30, and I looked in the mirror, and it looked like I got punched in the jaw. It was swollen. I was like, oh, well, my God. this is not good. You know, I started taking some right. Benadryl, and uh, I just felt like crap. I started getting a really bad fever, and I didn't know what the heck it was. And... Uh, we didn't even go out for New Year's Eve. I ended up bedridden, and I woke up at 3 in the morning because my face just hurt. And I got up, and I turned on the mirror, and my face, like, it looked like I got stung by a bee. My whole face was swollen, and I couldn't hardly open my mouth. And I couldn't explain what the hell it was. So I woke up the girlfriend, and uh, I was like, I'm going to go to the hospital. Um, whatever this is isn't good. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? And I turn on the light, and she's like, oh, my God, your face. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go up to the hospital. And I checked in. They started asking me all sorts of crazy questions. You know, have you been out of country? Have you, have you done this? Yeah. Have you done that? And I was like, no, no, no. 
And I was like, literally, I had a sore throat last weekend, and I came in, and I don't know what the hell this is. It wasn't like this yesterday. So they put on all, like, the hazmat suits and all this different kind of stuff, and they start treating me like, you know, I have some kind of deadly disease. Have you been out of country? And uh, they put me in my own, like, isolated room at the wing of the hospital, and people, like, the doctors were all coming in in hazmat suits. And I was like, okay, what is going on? (laughs) You know, like, what the hell is wrong? So they come in with this freaking foot-long little stir stick, it looks like. And they just ram that crap up my nose. And I think they take... Yeah, I think they took some, like, brain material out. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they they went out there. And uh, I ended up being hospitalized for, like, three days. And they just pumped me full of all sorts of different chemicals and... They could never tell me what it was. I had like five different infections at once. You and, might have uh, been the first person with the coronavirus. That's what I told them. My girlfriend, two <laughs> days later, had to get admitted for the same thing. And I told the doctors, I was like, I'm patient zero. I finally get to be patient zero. <laughs> yeah, you might have been the first person to ever had it. Dude, it's terrible. If I still have a picture of my face, I'll, I'll send you a text message that of it. That is impressive. It is. It was ridiculous, but... uh. Yeah, man, that uh, that nose swab is no fun, and that seems to be yeah. the, the standard way they're doing it. Yeah, that's... No, I'm out, dude. Like, I can't mess with that shit. <laughs> so, no. let's get into some competition calling, brother. You, uh, yeah. Your family is pretty ingrained in the old competition calling world. <laughs> Give me some of your background with that stuff. Man, uh, my dad... Like, you know, earlier in the conversation, my dad never did it. Um, you know, we actually were born and raised in California and moved out here in, like, 93. And my dad and grandpa and uncles and, you know, and, like I said, went to that guys contest and... Oh, you're cutting out a little bit, buddy. Are you still there? I'm going to hit pause and we'll get it going again here in a second. All right. Sorry about that. We got it back on here now. Um, <laughs> so you were saying that uh, your uncles had been doing it? Yeah, they all hunted, but they never got into it, you know, until we moved out here. Um, you know, about that duck call from Mike Keller, and he won the world in the 80s, born at Richentown. And my brother and I, along with, you know, my brother was a junior blowing in those contests with, you know, Dusty Banner and Forrest Carpenter. All three of them are using Big Guy's Best at the time. And me and Evan Myers, but, uh, like, Jeff Stettenbach and Buddy Van, you know, all four of us, you know, have competed in the world. But we started getting together and practicing. And then my first contest was, you know, Burlington, Iowa. And I think I took, like, second in the Kansas State, like, two or three years in a row to Evan. And that was like the only thing I had won. I think top five finish at the IWA in like '03 or '04. But oh, at the end of '04 um, or '03 or '04, I won the Cornhusker Regional up there in Nebraska, and that was my first year uh, to qualify. And I think I qualified. Oh man, I don't know, probably I think 12 years and my brother um, won it in 07 
and that was probably that was like my second best like show out at the Worlds. I think there was like twelve of us in the final round, and it was him and one of our kid buddies, John David Stanley, and I can't remember all the other ones that were in it, but me and another guy got cut. But you know, watching my brother, you know, win the Worlds was pretty freaking cool and you know RMP did a, a DVD uh, a hunt with us out here in Kansas with Stahl and you know they showed Jody one in the worlds and I mean hell I think I got more emotional from my brother than he did but uh yeah and you know once once he won it um you know before that um, when Mike Keller passed away you know my brother and I you know got introduced to Butch and you know, Butch would help us um, over the phone and help my dad. I mean, my dad would drive us down to Stuttgart in the middle of the freaking summertime, and we'd stay for a weekend just blowing calls with Butch um, and, you know, getting stuff figured out and uh, finding a call that would fit. And then my brother, he, he got a call from uh, Butch that was a uh, neon green, chartreuse colored, he still has it. He still uses it when he decides to, you know, compete. But uh, Butch gave him that one, I think, in, shit, 04, 05. I can't remember. Um, I would go through, like, one or two a year. Um, I had a couple good ones. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was never – the Main Street stuff was just – I mean, I was something I started out doing, and then the meat calling – kind of like got big and I remember listening to Mitch Hughes' live duck routine on Drake Waterfowl's website years back and listening to his feed transition into his ducks. I remember I was talking to my buddy Pat Morello over the phone and about that feed style and the only person I could think of that could help me was Trey Crawford, and Trey Bo, I mean, he won the world in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and then champion champion in 2000. I can mean, say he's a very old man, but <laughs> he uh, he's unbelievable, and he's a damn good teacher, and he taught me a lot on my feed, and so I kind of transitioned from the main street into the meat calling, and the meat calling, you know, for some people that don't know, I mean, you can win one and go to the next one and win it, you know, and compete in that one. It's not like a sanctioned contest rules. Like, me calling is you can go seven in a row and win all seven and, you know, just earn the money and, you know, go on to the next one just like the two mans. And so once I started getting lucky, lucky at winning those, I kind of just put the Main Street call to the side and, uh, continued to blow in the open meets and the two mans and uh, finally uh, Rogers two man you know I've won that one a good many times and then my brother and I just won it last year you know the world two man um, in 2019 and then in 2018 I took first with one of our good buddies and hunting buddies uh, Zach Rogers and I think that was like Zach's first big contest he ever blew in was the two-man at Rogers, the world two-man or whatever, and 
yeah, him and I won, and me and my brother ended up taking second. And uh, but yeah, the meat calling for me, it's just more relaxed. Um, I enjoy it a lot better because you can just be different from anyone else. You know, like the contest Main Street style. You know, you get twenty, forty, sixty guys. Their routines are all going to be the same. Some might have different transitions. Some might have different buildups. Some might have different endings in their feed. Compared to me calling, where everyone's different. I, w- so I would say. Just, go ahead, man. No, I, I mean, you know, you just build your own routine. Once you start, you know, placing or winning, you get comfortable with that routine. You just stick with that routine and, you know, try to figure out little things here and there. Um, you know, for me, I think I stand out more because of my flow and my feed and my meat routine than anything. I mean, you know, there's guys like Seth and Trevor and Howie and my brother, um, Mike Benjamin. There's a lot of damn good duck callers, and they're all different styles. But, uh, you know, when I go to these contests, you know, I look at these guys, and, you know, I know it's tough to beat them. And I just, you know, stick with the same routine that I've blown for, shit, I don't know how many years now. Um as far as you know the meat calling but yeah it's it's a lot of fun and anyone can do it man you know I mean talk about the numbers you know earlier in the you know conversation like meat calling contest you spend your 25 30 or 50 dollars grab your hunting call and go up there and have fun I mean yeah no one wants to get their ass beat you know like Steiny made a comment in his you know podcast with you like you're gonna lose more than you know you you, you think you're gonna win more times than any, but you end up, you know, getting your ass beat more. But once you start figuring it out, then, you know, it'll start coming together. You'll start placing the top five, then top three, then make a second, you know, and then sooner or later you'll get first place. But it's not structured, built routine like a Main Street. You go up there and just blow your call, you know. And there's just no stress, in my opinion, blowing meat contest than main street no i agree man and that's something as you know just a fan watching it i can tell you going going down to stuckart and going for all the competitions last chance you know the kids the women's everything by the end of that two days if i don't hear another duck call like it's almost like i don't even want to go duck hunting that weekend because i just i want to break and that's nothing against the world like listening to a snow goose e-caller for eight hours in the field like you will hear that hail call weeks on end after watching <laughs> that or competing in that contest just like an e-caller but like more people you know enjoy sitting in the stands watching a two-man or watching a open meat contest you know like hell just like what we were talking about earlier I mean, there's like 80 something people in the live duck contest that kyle jones is putting on i mean guys from russia Set an entry piece. The live duck, 60 seconds. You know, um, this more it's exciting to watch because you're blowing your hunting call. You know, the Main Street style is just a structured 90 seconds. Everyone has to do this to this and everything in the between. And yeah, it's just repetitive. And I mean, I watch it because, you know, I got a lot of buddies that blow in the world and I love watching them compete. And, you know, I cheer for all my buddies. You know, hope to help every single one of them wins it sooner or later. 
But uh, I would watch nine times out of ten sit and watch a two man duck or a meat duck before I watch a freaking sanction contest. Yeah. I agree, man, and I'll tell you, you mentioned that live, too. I really enjoy the heck out of the live competitions, man. Yeah, the live, man, that's something, you know, once I started, you know, getting into the meat and, you know, going to a handful a year and lucky enough to win majority of the ones that I competed in, I started going to the East in about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. I think, or six, seven years ago, however long. But I built up that contest, and that contest would haunt me. Like, I could go to 13 contests and win all 13 meets and two-mans, and I go to the live duck, and there'd be years I'd get cut first round. There was years I got cut second round. I don't know how, I mean, I've gotten, I think, three or four top fives, and finally, like, 2019, I finally won the World Live Duck, and, you know, the two-man Live Duck, which is 60 seconds, and it's also out there in Easton, and that's a freaking blast, but trying to cram in two duck callers in 60 seconds blowing is difficult, and, you know, Teddy has uh, that contest set up to where it's unlimited teams, I think this year I blew in. I think I had four teams. Yeah, I had four. I think I had four teams this year. I blew with Dan Getz, Mike Benjamin. Uh, man, I can't even remember the rest of them. I think I blew with Seth and someone else. Well, anyways, I had I had four teams, and I took I think second, fourth, and fifth um, this year in the finals. I think Dan and I are the ones that got. I can't remember, but. Uh, yeah, that's a new style of two-man that is really nowhere anywhere else but Easton. And it's a lot of fun. And the live duck's getting bigger. Hell, I, don't, I mean, I think there was damn near almost 25 or 30 guys, I think, in the live duck this year out there in Easton. Um, but it's fun. I mean, you know, there's definitely no routine or structure with that deal. Like, you can start with feet, like, I started with feet this year, and I think several others, like Seth, um, you know, uh, I think Mike Benjamin may have started off with feet, but yeah, you just go up there and just blow your duck off for 60 seconds to try to sound like one or two ducks went on the water. And it's a lot of fun. And I finally got lucky enough to win the damn thing, and, you know, I was happy as hell to do it. So that was <laughs> the one thing that was, that was the one contest that was literally haunting me. And now, hopefully, obviously not this year, but, you know, I know Teddy's going to bust his ass and make it bigger and better for next year. And hopefully I can, you know, have a good showing in the live duck and hopefully end up winning that two-man live duck. Because that would be pretty cool to have. Well, and you said you blew in, you know, four teams in that live duck. I can imagine that jumping in like i'm sure it, it happens all the time you're, you get to the contest and you're like hey man you want to be on my team too and just kind of yeah, you know I pairing mean, up yeah literally throughout the whole year you know we have a group of guys that we call the bash and it's a snapchat group that we have and we are scattered from all the way from minnesota to kentucky to easton to here to southeast Missouri and 
we try to go to as many contests as we can and you know majority of the time that we go to these contests we all stay in one group and blow together in the teams like me and Mike Benjamin and my brother and you know Zach and Steiny and uh, like Dan gets and I've won one you know several Mike Benjamin and I've won several but uh yeah when you go to Maryland I mean it's November um I'm just getting back from Canada, and so, yeah, you talk to each other over the phone, you know, a few times beforehand, and try to figure out ideas on how to put a two-man live duck routine together, and then you have, you know, a few hours on, you know, Friday morning to get everyone together and blow your routines, and then the funny thing is, is try to, I mean, me especially, like, I mean, everyone will... 100% admit it and there's no denying I can't remember shit on how we either end the routine or how we come into the routine and so every 10 seconds I turn around and I'll ask Dan or I'll ask Mike or my brother or Zach or whoever I'm blowing with and be like alright so we're doing this and this and literally 30 minutes ago we did four routines and I just completely forget and so I have to go back and ask every single one and be like alright how are we going to end like, what do we do? And once we get on stage, like, you know, we hear each other and just go with the flow. And it's fun. Like, I love blowing in the two mans with all my buddies, you know, my brother included. Um, you know, the Rogers two-man contest, winning it with my brother finally. You know, when I changed it over to the world contest, and my brother and I won that Rogers two-man, I don't know how many times in a row when it was just like a $500 deal. And then once I changed it to the two-man world, like my brother and I just fell off the deep end. And I think we had like a fourth place one year and a third place, I think, or something like that, or a cut, I think, I don't know. But finally, the last two years, you know, myself included with Jody and Zach, I lucky enough to, you know, go back to back. And I was hoping to try to three-peat it this year, but you know, with the virus and them canceling it, it's definitely not going to happen. So, do you think your brother but, enjoys the uh, the live and the meat stuff more than the main street now as well? He, you know, he he never really did. A, he never got into the meat contest. Like, and once he won the worlds, I think he was like the second youngest to ever win the world contest. Um, so I think he just graduated high school when he won the world. Jesus. And, yeah, um, his routine was, you know, unbelievable. And the year he won it, you know, I remember we filled up two trucks full of shit that he won. And, you know, obviously he went back the next year and then he won champion champions. And, you know, I, being the fact it's 2020 with the champion champions, I think he still, if Stuckart has it, I think he's going to go down and compete in the champion champions. Um, but yeah, the meat contest, man, I mean, he just never picked it up. Not, I mean, he'd always go on the two mans with me, and I would always go any, I mean, not to sound like a quote-unquote Trevor Shanahan, but Jody and I would go to these two mans, and nine times out of ten, we'd win them. Um, and that was about the, as far as he would go into the meat calling, and... Finally, he blew in one week contest at the CWA in Northwest Arkansas. And 
he beat me. I got cut first round. And I, I literally was blown away. And they cut me and, like, I think two other kids. I mean kids. I mean, like, 16 and 17-year-old kids. And my brother's looking at me in the bullpen, like, you know, I'm like, what the shit? And so I'm like, whatever. So I went out in the parking lot and drank. Um, but, yeah, he ended up winning that contest. And that was his first meat contest win. And still to this day, like, I feel bad for not going back in there and watching because he always watches any contest that I'm in, you know, whether it's meat or a two-man. And I did not because I was just like, well, I got cut, but, you know, I'm kind of a freaking sore loser at times. And so I kind of just was like, well, I'm just going to sit out in the truck and drink. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, outside the two-man, that's about all he does. Um, he actually did the live duck that Kyle Jones just put up. Um, I don't have Facebook, but a lot of my buddies told me that, you know, his routine was really damn good. Um, he's blowing, uh, power calls. And so, uh, that's what he uses when him and I compete. He did, you know, use Jenny Lairs for a while, which I've been using those since 2003 or 2004 or whatever. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's good. He just, I guess, I mean, he's just not really into traveling anymore and going to these contests. Like, he'll go to Rogers. Sometimes he'll go to Presley's with me, but that's about it, you know? He went to Easton one year, him and I blew in a two-man duck and took fifth. And that was it for him out there. Well, it's just kind of like, you know, the, the older you get, the more responsibilities you get. You find that, you yeah. know, guys start drifting off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now, you know, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, you got, like, Steiny's been doing it for a while. Um, Mike Benjamin's been doing it for a while. But, like, you know, me and, man, I can't, I mean, a lot of the guys that started when I started aren't doing it anymore. And so, you know, I go to these contests now and I sit back there, you know, granted, I don't go on Main Street anymore, but I sit up there and, in the bullpen and I mean there'll be 18 or 20 guys and oh no Hunter Grounds and Dan and Cole Foyles and Benjamin and Kyle Jones and Stunley and the rest of them just like I have no idea like you know I'm sitting back there I'm like the oldest one there and but I hope it turns around man you know like we said earlier I mean what Kyle's doing right now is unbelievable like he is getting more people than I ever would have thought of getting up for an online contest. And hopefully next year, you know, if we have, what needs to happen is these online contests need to happen every so often throughout this whole year until hunt season starts. And hopefully by next year, once, you know, hunt season's over with and all these guys have been competing in more of these contests online, that'll put some, you know, driving them to want to go to these contests and get on the stage. And then hopefully the turnaround numbers grow and contests will fizzle out. Yeah, man. I think it's really building a lot of momentum. And you were talking about not having Facebook. Believe it or not, in the competition caller group, there has been so much less drama than you would expect with all these competitions. It's it's really rather remarkable. Do what? Turtle probably hasn't gone on there much. 
he's about he's about the he's the uh, queen bee of the uh, drama when it comes to contest calling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just the the no filter aspect. Oh yeah, I mean, because the fact is, like, you know, and I don't know how this format is because I think, from my understanding, and I actually did this live contest. Um, Kyle, you know nice enough to let me send him a routine I sent him a sound file that I did I mean I drove to this damn lake 15 minutes from the house 4 days ago middle of the freaking day and I put my phone on a rock I walked like 10 yards into these trees along this creek off this lake that we fished did a live routine sent it to him and he sent me a text back and said hey man I don't think I can post this sound clip on Facebook so I don't think it's going to let me and so I told him I said well dude I said I'm fat and I've been sweating I'm turning around and making a video so just take it off and he said no dude he goes I got it it's working I'm like alright well, you know I didn't know it had to be a video and I didn't know you had to use a head nod like you're on stage and so Kyle you know called me and said hey dude it's my fault I didn't tell you the rules. And I said, dude, it's fine. You know, it's $15. No big deal. Like, take me off of it. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, to have these contests like this, it's, it might be how contest calling will grow and just be online only because of the fact you don't know, you know, I think the judges are, you know, anonymous until after the contest. And I think the second round it's going on until like Tuesday, I think, or starts Tuesday or something like that. But I mean, Kyle is busting his ass, and you know he apologized to me for not explaining the rules, and I was fine with it. I'm like, dude, you got 87 guys, you got a lot of guys that are never born in the contest before, and if you show my clip to the judges, nine times out of ten they're probably gonna know who I am, and if they approve of it and let me continue into this contest. What does that show to these new guys getting in, you know, as far as rules? I mean, rules are rules. And it's stated, you know, you have to do a head nod and it has to be a video. And so, that happened, but I mean, it is what it is. I wasn't, you know, going to sleep over it. I wasn't mad. Um, I think Kyle's taking a lot of beatings because of all these head nods. And, you know, people are not doing a head nod on some of them. I think there's like 16 or 18 guys that got disqualified for this contest because they couldn't read the rules. And it's mind-blowing because you literally record yourself. Unless <laughs> you're the one recording yourself. And then you send a video in. And it specifically states, 60 seconds and head nod. And for the people that blow over, in my opinion, I don't know how that's physically possible. Because you're the one recording it. But it's kind of crazy. But I hope like hell it takes off. And Kyle continues to do it. Or other people you know, branch off of Kyle and have other ideas, um, you know, but who knows, dude? I mean, He's... if this virus continues, if this virus continues after 2020, contest con might just be specifically done online. <laughs> yeah, it that's not going to be good. And, you know, it's kind of like the evolution of anything. There's going to be growing pains to it. Um, oh, I was yeah. I was talking to Hunter about it. Uh, about a month ago now and he was like oh, I just don't understand when you know people know who you are how it can really yep. be judged accurately and one of the things that you were just talking about thinking about it 
is having some sort of a, you know, instead of a head nod, which is, you know, ceremonial and the way it's always been done, but have something where it's like a, okay, go type thing and have everybody like have a number, like a draw, have like a contest organizer, say Kyle's running it, which he's doing an amazing job running it. He's oh, been yeah. amazing yeah. for this. Say Kyle's running the competition and he takes everybody that's in it, he assigns them a number. And then that person posts their video, but it's all in black. Like, say they flip the face of their phone over and just put the microphone towards them. Flip that upside down, have the video tagged as caller number one, and have Kyle post everybody's, or whoever's running the contest post everybody's. That would be another way. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I remember Steiny talking to you about, like, the warm-ups and, you know, how the judges can pick callers out you know, before that light even goes off and they hit their first note of their routine. Um, me, I'm probably hands down the worst one when it comes to people on stage. And even the people that blow me in two hands can't stand it because I get up there and it's, I don't exactly know how long, um, some people say it's 12, some people say it's 14 seconds, but I will nod, like, to the MC and say, this is for real, and I will literally look at my duck call and just look at it, <laughs> and I'll make sure the read is upside down, and I'll take, like, five or six different breaths and adjust my hat, like, five or six different damn times for whatever fucking reason, I have no idea. And then I will walk up to the edge of the stage, and I will hit my first note. And literally, I've been doing that forever. And it's not fair to my partners, because, you know, we do a warm-up, and then we look at each other, and we nod, like, all right, let's go, and then they're ready to go. And, you know, my brother, I mean, I, my brother has beat it in me, like, you've got to cut that shit in half, or you have to just go instantly. But... For me, you know, I'm like Stein said, dude, like, I just get into the groove of it, and when I'm ready, I'm fucking ready. Like, I'm not going to rush it until the judges know. Like, you go to enough contests a year, typically the same judges will judge the majority of the contests that you travel to, and once you start winning, and they start pinning you out, then yeah, they will know every time you go on stage. Like, it's instantly. And so, you know, as the online contests go, I don't know how the judging is, you know, I don't even know the judges for this live duck, you know, for example, but you got 80 guys, and you see every single one of them. You know, say there's two judges that, we'll just use him as an example, because it's probably true. So you take two judges that actually can't stand Trevor, and so they're going to dock Trevor, just because they don't like him. But they know who he is because they can see him on video. And so, like what you said, do like what I did. Like, I just did a voice recording. It was black screen, and that was it. And just blow your duck hole and send it in and have Kyle or somebody post them up number by number. You know, you're caller number three for this first round. And then once you make the cut, it's another black screen for the second round. And, you know... Kind of make it as close to a real contest as you can, because the judges can't see you when you're on stage. You know, even though they can pick you out, like you said, you know about warm-ups, like Steiny's warm-up, and 
you know, a lot of other people have their own rituals of warm-ups. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope, you know, these contests that Kyle are doing continue to grow. Um, you know, the black screen idea is a pretty good idea, in my opinion. I don't know how hard that would be, you know, for someone to do on his own. You know, like Kyle. I mean, yeah, for for whoever's organizing the contest, yeah. I'm creating a hundred times more work for him. Eighty-two guys blown in that contest, or whatever <laughs> the damn contest is, and I mean, you got eighty freaking black screens. You got to number them all and keep track of. You know, all right. You know, say Dan gets his number one, and Mike Benjamin. I mean, you got to keep them all in order. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a cluster, but you know, the judges would have no idea. They'd have no idea who you are. You know. Yeah, to run it so, true like that, I think that's a good idea. I mean, that would be the closest way to run a real live contest would be doing something like that. And I'm not bashing Kyle. I mean, Kyle, No, no, no. He'll probably send me a I message after this and say, and hey, dickhead, I've like, don't Kyle. give ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I've known Kyle since he was blowing a fucking goose call with sink with a flat-top black hair from Michigan or Washington. And Kyle Jones is probably the only person that I know in this entire country that loves contest calling like he does. Like, there's no one like him. Like, he loves contest calling, and he wants to get it back on track like it used to be. And I respect him more than anything for doing what he is doing to try to make it bigger and better, and especially right now. There's no time in any right now to blow a duck off for anybody to practice because you have nothing, there's nothing going on. Like, you're not watching any sports. You sure as hell ain't going in any sports or watching anything. Like, just blow your duck call. Practice. You know, blow your goose call. This is the best time to freaking practice is right now. To get better, in my opinion. I agreed, man. And, you you know, if you're scared to do it up on stage, take that shot. Yeah. Try it. I mean, send the $15. I mean, it's $15. I mean, shit, I think the payout, you know, I think Kyle's doing winner take all or something like that. But shit, it went from being just a oh yeah, fifteen dollar entry live contest to a holy shit, this is up to like a thousand dollars. This is a real contest now. <laughs> I mean, this is a freaking you know Presley style contest. And yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, if anyone out there that's listening that wants to get in a contest going, start now. Practice and post your routines. On Facebook, whenever Kyle does his next one, or whoever, like, just send them in. And that's the only way you're going to get better, you know? And reach out to people. I mean, hell, if people want to freaking, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't have Facebook. Um, one of my buddies, Ben Marlowe, had a horrible habit of posting my number on Facebook <laughs> and saying, if you would like to help with your feed call, please contact this number. And literally, no bullshit, a handful of times, I would get random routines sent to me. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what is this person sending me? And it would just be nothing but feed. And then I'd find out, like, that evening, I'd get on Facebook and look, and I'd be like, oh, my buddy Ben Marlowe is pushing my number all over Facebook. <laughs> and so, but, I mean, there's so many people out there that are more than willing to help when they have time for anyone that wants to get involved. And, I mean, anyone, myself included, I mean, I'll give you my number or you can post 
post it on your Instagram page or whatever. I mean, I'll help whoever I, you know, whoever gets a hold of me. I don't care. But right now, I mean, like what Kyle's doing, everyone needs to get more involved, including myself, that has been contest calling forever, that enjoy doing it still to get it back to where it was. Because one person's not going to be able to do it. I mean, Kyle's busting his ass and he is, I mean, doing wonders. But more people like him need to put a hand in it and get it back. Well, and that's something like, uh, you know, you can reach out to Kyle. People that are listening, that are in, that want to be involved, oh, want to yeah. help out. Reach out to him, ask him how you can help him out to take some of the exactly. work off of his plate. Because it, it is. 100%. A, a crazy amount of work and it's funny you were talking I mean, about for him, yeah it's funny for you were talking about and work <laughs> for him to work at Higdon full time I mean he's got like two dogs and he trains them you know works with them and does this you know contest stuff and yeah I mean I'm sure he would love people to reach out to him and say hey man if you need someone to you know tie up the scores for you know, don't make sense. Eighty costume guys. I mean, fuck. That's a lot of freaking scores to put together. I mean, for one person. Oh yeah, yeah, man. And it's funny you were talking about Ben posting your uh, your number up on Facebook. It, oh, yeah. When you were talking about that, every time summer would roll around. Me or one of my buddies, and sometimes they got me. We would post up on Craigslist, and that was still a thing. And we'd be like, "Free lawnmower, free weed eater." <laughs> throw a generic yep. picture on there and put our buddy's number on there. Oh yeah, and <laughs> literally, he got me pretty fucking good on that because I had no idea for a while. I mean, I truly didn't. And him and I, I mean, I was in his wedding. I've known Ben forever. Um, him and I have guided together for ducks and snows and. Yeah, he got me, and people were literally sending me regimes, and I was like, who the fuck is this person? Like, <laughs> I don't know you, but I'll help you, because you obviously, you're sending me for a reason, and so, but yeah, I just hope it gets back, you know, I've said it several times, but, I mean, man, when I used to, you know, compete early 2000s, I mean, there would be 50, 60 guys for a $500 contest. You know, $500. There wouldn't be 10 guys for a $500 contest now. And you can't get 12 guys for a $1,000 contest. I mean, back then there was not very many $1,000 contests. Um, I remember Galleons, in the first few years I competed, tell my brother, he was a dummy caller. That's back when we had dummy callers. Because, you know, you draw the bullet and the judges wouldn't, score you how you should get scored if you blow a good routine because there'd be 62 other guys in that regional. And so we would have dummy callers and they would blow they'd be the first caller. And my brother, I'll never forget this, it was at Gallings, first weekend of August, they had the four regionals, they had two open goose contests, the Kansas State, the Missouri State, and the two-man duck Saturday night at the brewery in, uh, oh, I don't remember, Lee Summit or something. But Joey was the dummy caller. I couldn't tell you if he was 13 or 12 or 14, whatever. But in that contest, I think there was like 58 or 60 guys. My brother was the dummy caller, but one of the big guys' best. Ron Quest Stevens, Bernie Boyle, Christian Curtis, Brad Treese, Keith Allen, Theron Woods. I mean, this is like 
everyone and anyone would come to Jared Perkins. I mean, everyone would come to this contest back in the day. And my brother had a two-point lead, or one-point lead going into the second round as a dummy caller with 62 guys in it. And it was a 500, I think it was, a, I think it was like 500, or maybe even 1,000 back then, but 62 guys in a regional. Yeah, that's insane. Like, that's what the world is now, you know, for the Sugar. I mean, I think this year, I think Steiner might have said it too, but I think this year, the year Steiner won, was the least callers I've seen in that contest since I've been going to it. And I've been going to it since 03 or 04. Yeah, he said it was like 64 or 65, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it didn't. Because I think the year Jody won it, I think there was like 69 or 70. I think one year it got up to like 72 guys or 73 guys or some shit like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, people want to do these contests and, you know, some guys will get on there and be like, oh, this contest ain't paying shit. Well, you know, the committee or the sponsorships are hearing about these contests not paying and they donate more money the next year, and then there's less callers, even though the money went up. I mean, it's just people just don't have the drive to get in their car and drive anymore to go to these contests and spend the money to compete, to try to win, excuse me, to try to win. You know, they just don't want to do it. They don't want to get beat. Well, and that's and they, something I mean, that I was talking with Steiny about. I think we were missing a lot of those one to five year guys, you yep. know, where there's everybody that's still doing it has been doing it. Where 100%. you're not you're not keeping those new guys, and that's the problem that we have to solve is keeping the guy who's entered one or two contests, gotten yep. his nuts stomped in, and uh, keeping that guy I around. Mean, yeah, because the fact is, the misconception that guys just have to understand i relate it to call making because that's what i do and i tell guys i'm like if you're still making piles of firewood and it's been six months a year you're on track like you're supposed to get your butt kicked in these contests for two years before it clicks and you have to stick it out i mean yeah it took me i mean you know mike keller told me when i first started contest calling to go to a contest and make a goal like, this is my first, you know, 
first two years of going, my first goal obviously was to blow clean my first round. Whether I got cut or I made the second round, so be it. But my goal was to blow clean. And then, you know, after a few contests, it'd be like, all right, let's make the second round. And then finally, I mean, it was four years until I actually got qualified for the World's Contest. Four years. My dad would drive me and my brother, I mean, all over health creation. Like, he would take us everywhere and anywhere. We'd drive 10, I mean, he drove us to Michigan. That's 12 damn hours. Just so we could get qualified for Stuttgart. And I mean, the miles that he put on for us, and he told us, he's like, I'm not going to drive you guys these contests for you to get your ass beat. Like, you're going to practice and work on what you need to work on and listen to Butch or listen to Mike and get better. And then, you know, I'll take you to more and more of them. And then once we realized what we needed to work on, everything just started clicking. And then we just continued to go to contests and place or win. And then one thing led to another, and you know, brother's a world champion, 2007. I think he was literally 17 years old or 16 years old. I don't fucking know. <laughs> he, was just, he was young as shit. I mean, he was young. And it's just trusting the process, man. Yep. Dealers don't want to put time in it. Yep. In my opinion. I think it's just, I think you don't want to put the time in it because if they're not good at it right out of the gate, they're not going to be down the road. So they give up. And they don't want to do it. I agree, man. And that's practicing. I mean, if these kids want to get better and they want to go on stage, they're going to have to practice. Because nine times out of ten, you're going to get your ass beat more times than any, but you learn every contest you go to. Learn what you need to do. You know, go to the judges after the contest. Listen to what they talk about. Sometimes I don't have the best notes there is. Because I'm going to be those times I write notes that are pretty brutal to people. And I shouldn't. And I need to stop. And sometimes, I, you know, even if I know the guy, I'll be like, pick up golf. You know, in my in my notes, this is a joke because I'll know them. But listening to the judges and listening to what they have to tell you—that's the first step. And then record yourself. I mean, hell, back then, you know, when we were contest calling. I mean, we had tape recorders. We had no, you know, there was no calling ducks or Facebook or you know, iPhones or anything like that. You know, like Steiny said, I mean, how you'd go and record a contest on a tape recorder or tape cassette and listen to it at home. Or we would buy the World's Contest on VHS and play it and watch them all, watch all the callers and listen to how they sound and what they did differently, you know, to each caller. Because everyone's different in a way, you know, like I said, in Main Street calling. But that's what has to, I mean, we just have to find a way. And Kyle, like I said, I mean, he's figuring out a way right now. But there has to be more to get people involved in contests on stage, not online, but on stage. And maybe this online shit will help. Maybe it'll turn people around. You know, maybe they'll start figuring it out and seeing it and enjoying it. And, you know, I know my brother, I mean, my brother made a comment after he posted his up, you know, he said, he goes, man, he goes, whether you cut or not, he goes, I actually had fun blowing my duck off for, you know, first time since in the January. 
you know, he picked it up, sent fifteen dollars in, practice, blue routine, and sent it, and he had fun doing it. You know, it's for that. my brother to say that, you know, for him being a contest caller for you know twenty damn years, for him to enjoy it, you know, blowing that duck call, should show some spark in the people. You know, in my opinion. I, I think it's going to come back, brother. I think what what's going on right now and the effort that people are putting into it and uh, doing it the right way, I, I think it's going to start making a comeback. It's just going to be a process. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. But uh, I, I will say, Kyle will do whatever it takes. I, yeah. mean, I love that kid to death. That kid will, I mean, he will do whatever it takes to get that shit going again. <laughs> well, you guys got to get out there, and uh, the listeners, that is, jump on the Competition oh, yeah. Caller Facebook page. Um, it's yep. a group request. Get in there, throw a video yep. up, ask questions, listen. Yeah, Don't worry about getting be, caught like, it up. Even, it doesn't even have to be the contest. Like, just make a you know, post a routine, whether it's, you know, a king of the call or a spec call or a duck call, main shooter meat, or live for that matter. I mean, just make a routine, post it on there, and just ask guys what their, you know, thoughts are. You might get some idiots to, you know, say something stupid, but nine times out of ten, you're going to get guys like Kyle Jones, Dan, Wade Warren, Mike Benjamin, my brother, whoever, Sean Patrick, or whoever else, to get on there and help them. And that's what people need, you know. There's guys like that that know what they're talking about that have been doing it for so long and still take the time to go to travel to these contests and compete. Don't be afraid to post one up. Like, don't ever be afraid to post a routine up on that page. Anyone that's listening. I mean, that's how it starts. It's just getting your feet wet by getting help from contest callers like myself and everyone else. It only gets easier, man, after... uh... After you post yeah. up that first one, then I mean, it's like I've already done it before. Yeah, and then literally, like, just I didn't come in, like riding a bike. I mean, once you blow so many routines, and once you get everything figured out and dialed in, it's truly like riding a bike. I mean, I literally rode a bike for the first time because of this gosh dang virus. I mean, I bought a bike because there's nothing else to do, and I'm like, I haven't rode a bike since junior high. I bought a mountain bike, took the kids on the trail, got on it, and rode it. Like, I just rode a bike yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's just like riding a bike. <laughs> but seriously, don't be afraid. Anyone that's listening, do not be afraid to post any type of sound clip or ask any questions. Like, we need people to get more involved in contest calling. Guys like Kyle and Teddy Hoover, especially Teddy, Teddy busted ass to make that Eastern contest as good as it can get. And that contest has come so far. And he has done an unbelievable job. Me and him give each other so much shit, and I love that dude. I only see him once a year, but guys like him and Kyle and all the other, Mike Eddie especially, Mike Eddie's scoring system, that's another guy. He doesn't even contest call, and he loves contest calling. You know, he busts his ass with his scoring system and provides it to all these contests that want to use this scoring system because his scoring system is the best one out there. But we just need the people that are listening to step up and compete. I agree, brother, and that's, and that's, that's the best way to end it, man. Yeah, man. I, I really Absolutely. appreciate you, and, man, I oh, love yeah, 
I love the passion for the uh, for the competition column, brother. I uh, I really thank you for coming on here. No problem, dude. I appreciate it, man. Have a good day. Hey, you too, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, man. All right, take thank care. You. All right, guys. That's Corey Neekum. Dude is just he's so passionate about the sport. I don't know if you caught that coming through. He just has a. Uh, an immense love for the sport. It's It's been in his family. He's been doing it. And uh, he's one of the best in the freaking world with the freaking old duck whistle, man. Uh, but like I said, jump on that competition caller group. Ask Kyle Jones if you have time. If you have any interest, reach out to one of those guys and, uh, and ask him what you can do. What you can do to get involved, how you can start calling. Man, ask Seth Fields. I know he's a little bit busier, but that dude helps out so many guys as well. Um... Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you share, like. um, Go get yourself a free duck call. Um, Enter in that giveaway. And uh, it's on the BTBN Facebook page. And uh, do what it says on there. So you can enter into a free duck call. Hopefully you guys liked it. I hope you have a good night.